really good to be with you guys. Uh, we're in our series called Remember, and it's a study of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. Um, and last, the, last, the first week that we got into our study, uh, Corey kicked us off with a call to remember to grow. So it was a uh, call to grow in our spiritual uh, walk with the Lord. And he reminded us of Peter's address in chapter 1 that God has given us everything that we need. Uh, God and his divine power has granted us all that we need for a godly life. And therefore, we can participate in God's mission by being built up in the faith. And then uh, Connor... Um, the week after, covered uh, the second half of chapter 1 in Second Peter with a call to remember the promises of God. And I just thoroughly enjoy Connor teaching. So I, I love him leading worship, but, but I really love him teaching because he has this, this zeal and this passion uh, for the Word of God and, and the same urgency that Connor was teaching with, I could kind of get a visual, if you will, of how Peter, with his urgency, was trying to uh, get his readers to see that the, the, the truth of the matter of the promises of God is centers around this one truth, that, that Jesus is God and he's coming back. And, and so we can hold true to that, to that promise. And so for tonight, uh, we're, we're going to... Tackle, if I had to title this message, it would be uh, Remember the Warnings. And growing up, um, well, first of all, you got CD signs all over the place, these warning signs. Uh, um, Harley, could you put out those deals? So, I mean, y'all see them, the smoking and the one run under it, smoking and the horses and just beware, no, no photography. When you park at stadiums, there's, hey, warning signs, don't, don't park here, your car get towed. I mean, there's all of these signs all over the place. Well, in Florida, where I grew up, there was a particular sign that I would see when I used to go fishing a lot. So this is a picture of, uh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, beware of alligators, right? And that, that's like a no-brainer. Well, in Florida, there are certain places like uh, rivers, Lakes, ponds, springs, um, you, you won't catch your boy swimming. Um, and there's a reason for that. So uh, this next picture is me uh, and my cousin. That's Cousin Sonny and Cousin Titus. Um, them brothers is old, crusted, but I love them to death. That's on their land in, in a place called Monticello, Florida. And they built that, that lake that we're fishing out of. They built it. They, they grabbed a couple of tractors and dug a hole and put some water in it and fished and got a fishing pond. Well, um, about, I don't know, 10 miles or so on the opposite side of that pond is uh, a picture of this deal. 18 foot. That was caught uh, on a deer camera. Uh, in, in the woods. See, wh what those signs are doing for us, they're trying to warn us. These signs are not meant to keep us from having fun or enjoying God's creation. They're meant to protect us and to keep us from hazardous conditions. And, and, and God's radical love and, and, and perfect love towards us, he prompts Peter to put a warning sign in the middle of, in the middle of 2 Peter chapter 2. 
And I, and I got to be honest, like, I, when I first was assigned to this deal, when we was talking about it as a team, when I finally read that it was on false teachers and prophets, I ain't going to lie, I, like, I, I was wondering, first of all, what they trying to tell me something. <laughs> and then second, like, man, this is something that, man, you know, I mean, I won't... I don't want to be like that dude. He's all judgmental. He's hypocritical. Blah blah blah. Not hypocritical. <laughs> judgmental. Judgmental. Uh, but but as I was on my prayer walk from Oasis, which is across the street, the Lord just prompted on my heart. These are not your words. These these are my words. So a ton of freedom just just overcame me um, in preparing for this this message. It's a it's a typical it's a difficult message and a difficult passage to go through but it is a necessary passage to go through. So tonight, my prayer for us is going to be that we would heed these warning signs and that we would, these warning signs would cause us to walk closer to the Lord. Amen? So let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy, your compassion towards us. And tonight I'm asking, Father, um, that we would heed these warning signs that you have given uh, Peter to address in Second uh, Peter chapter 2. I pray that these signs would uh, move us closer to you, Jesus, and become more dependent upon you, and that above all else, your will be done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, we're going to go through and turn to Second Peter chapter 2 as you're turning there. Uh, I'm going to give kind of an outline of what we're going to be discussing in this uh, particular section. And then at the end, we'll give our so what's of, of the message. But there's three particular warning signs that Peter is trying to warn us of, of, of beware of. And so the first one is uh, for us to beware that false prophets and teachers are, are there. So beware of false teachers and false prophets. The second uh, warning sign that Peter um, addresses is uh, beware of their deceitful ways. And then, and then the last warning sign that he gives is for us to beware judgment is coming. So we don't, we don't have to worry or fret about whether these teachers and false teachers and prophets are going to um, get away with it. J- judgment is coming. Um, so now that we got that out of the way, let's get a running start. We're going to start actually in um, chapter 1. We're going to start in chapter 1 and, and, and run, run into um, the f- uh, f- first half of chapter 2. So um, first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19 says this, And we also have this prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. So he's he's setting us up now. You have these signs, so it'd be well for you, it'd do well for you to pay attention to this. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy... Of scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For the prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then get into chapter two. But there will 
There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow after their deprived conduct and will, and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories, their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Peter is addressing this growing epidemic of these false teachers and prophets and of his day, and, and he's responding uh, with this realization that false teachers and prophets are going to be with us in our day. And before I go any further, I want to give kind of a quick crash course on what a biblical teacher is and what a biblical prophet is so that you can have an understanding, genuine understanding of what the real is from the fake. Um, according to scripture, a, a prophet of the scriptures was primarily someone who was chosen by God to obey God's word, to speak on God's behalf, and their work included but was not limited to revealing the nature of God and his attributes to others. A prophet is known to call people back into repentance. So if someone was caught in sin, a prophet would be the one to share that they're in sin and call them to repentance. And probably the most well-known attribute of a, of a prophet was their ability to foretell future events that was only given to them by God. Now, a biblical teacher um, and the term biblical teacher is someone who is gifted by God to edify those they are, they are teaching or instructing in the church. Now, their work include, but is not limited to, training, mentoring, instructing all the believers in the ways of Jesus Christ for God's mission and for the good of the people. Now, the main attribute that ties the prophet and the biblical prophet and the biblical teacher together is this, that, that they have a genuine reverence towards God Almighty. They take him serious. They don't take themselves serious, but they take God serious. And their lifestyle is a godless, a godful lifestyle that reflects the one who they are representing. And, and I want to kind of give an illustration to this, uh, representing the one who sent you. Um, years and years ago, uh, Gerber, the uh, baby company, they decided that, I mean, business was booming, um, probably because of the baby boomers, but whatever. But they, their business was doing, going great. And so they decided to expand their, their market into other countries all, all over the world. Well, in certain countries, um, uh, the literacy at that time was very, very low. So whatever was the content that was on the outside of the label, that's what represented was on the inside. So if you had a picture of carrots, what was on the inside was carrots. Picture of string beans was on the inside of string beans. But y'all know the Gerber baby logo is a baby. So many people thought that they were eating baby bits. Right. There's another example, Coors, um, the, the brewing company. They are. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll pray for you after this day, man. 
<laughs> but Coors, the, the, the brewing company, they had the kind of similar idea of wanting to expand their market. And so they had a slogan back, back in, in, that, in their time um, that said, turn it loose. Well, in certain Spanish-speaking countries, that, that translation was actually suffer from diarrhea. <laughs> now, that, those, those, are, those are honest mistakes, right? But they are not representing what the, what the company is. And that's what Peter is doing here. He's trying to warn us of these false teachers and these false prophets who are misrepresenting the God of the Bible. And here's one of the most disturbing things about these false teachers and prophets. Many Christians are going to follow after their destructive ways. Well, you might ask, well, Shannon, how is that? How are Christians, both old and young, uh, seasoned veterans and maybe brand new to the faith, but how, how are they going to follow after the ways of these false teachers? Well, Peter answers that question in verse 1, in the second half of verse 1. He says this, these false teachers, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Now, let's give a quick context of what a, a heresy is. Uh, it's a biblical term that simply means uh, false teaching about the Bible or the God of the Bible. And some of these destructive heresies that we see in our culture today include statements like these. There's more than one way to get to heaven. You are your own moral being. So do you. Do you, boo-boo, do you. Live it up. Make your own choices. Follow your heart. Do whatever makes you happy. You can marry whoever you want. You can live how you want. You can do it up YOLO. And, and the one that probably grinds my gears the most is, is God wants you happy. He wants you happy. He wants you well. He wants you prospering. He wants you, he wants you uh, uh, wealthy. We call that prosperity gospel. Statements like these are in opposition towards the gospel. They're, they're at odds. The book of John 14.6 says this, this. This is what Jesus says about himself, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There is not more than one way to get to the Father. There's not more than one way to get to heaven. Jesus is it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, that the, the heart is most deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? If it's not anchored in the word, how are you following something that is so deceitful and, 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 and blind? And if God wanted us happy, whole, well, and prosperous, he must have hated the apostle Paul. In, first, in 2 Corinthians, uh, Harley, could you, could you throw this one up? 2 Corinthians 11, 25. This, this is, uh, this, can you, can you, uh, give me a second, give me a second. Just, just work with me now. So. 
Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. All right. Second, second Corinthians, second Corinthians uh, 11.25. Let, let me just read this real quick. Real, real, real quick. Real quick. Let me get that. All right, here we go. Here we go. This is this is uh, this is the Apostle Paul now, because because these these false teachers are saying that he wants you happy, he wants you well, he wants you prosperous, he wants you doing well. What this is what this is what the Apostle Paul had to say. Um, Eleven twenty-five. I'm gonna get there. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in open sea. Don't sound like Paul was living his best life right then, huh? These false teachers, by their crafty words, their clever speech, misrepresenting the God of the Bible will lead many into destruction. Their teachings are a distortion of the gospel. It reduces our view of God, and it places us at the center of the story. The imagery I get is is of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. And when Satan comes to them, he just simply says, hey, did God really say? Did Did he really say don't eat from the tree? We're in a danger zone when we're not rooted in the word of God. And the truth of the matter is Satan and his craftiness is using these individuals with a, with a smidgen of truth and a whole lot of sincerity. But the whole equation equals a lie. This is the danger zone that we find ourselves in when we're not anchored in God's word. We will drift into unsafe territories that will lead us further away from the things of God, the ways of God, the people of God, and ultimately God himself. So Peter's first warning sign to us is for us to beware that there's false teachers out there. His second warning sign to us is for us to beware of their conduct. So he's going to give us essentially a list here of the ways that these folks operate. He's building a case here for the the real danger that his readers are facing. And, and, And as I'm saying this, I know some of you are probably thinking, man, well, is he talking about me because I misquoted John 3.16? No, he's not, this is not after, he's not, he's not addressing people who, you know, make a mistake about a verse, but you shouldn't know what that verse is, by the way. But, but he's, not, he's, not, he's not saying, oh, because you made an honest mistake. He's, he's going after those who are intentionally spreading these deceptive and deceitful lies and masking it over Calling it truth. Here's some of the ways that their conduct is being addressed. Let's look at, let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this in chapter, chapter 2, verse 10. The, the, the second half of it. It says this. This is especially true of those who 
followed their corrupt desires of the flesh. So they, they followed the corrupt desires of the flesh and they despise authority. They're bold and they're arrogant. And they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Let's skip down to 13. Let's look at some more ways of their conduct. They, they will be paid back with harm for harm, all the harm they've done. Their ideal of pleasure is to carouse. So, in other words, they don't mind having orgies. They don't mind being drunk of another spirit. They don't mind um, being in adulterous relationships. And here's what it says. They do it in broad daylight. They are are blots and blemishes reviling in their pleasures while they feast with you. So they'll be having conversations all the while they are having a sinful life, life full of sin, and calling it good, hiding behind grace. 14 says this, with their eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and in cursed broad. So, so Peter's shooting it to a straight here. He's addressing the corruption of these false teachers and how it is affecting the body of Christ. Now, this is not a one-size-fit-all kind of deal when it comes to these false teachers. Like, all of them are going to be doing the same thing. But here are some of the signs that you can be aware of. And he, he, uh, Peter points to the fact that these false teachers do have a tendency to be prideful, to be arrogant, to be greedy. They have a, they have a, uh, a tendency to seduce the unstable and to have their eyes full of adultery. This portion of Peter's letter really broke my heart to think that so many men and women who put their faith into the church, who put their faith into people who claim in Christ, who would give money, who would give their things away, only to be taken advantage of. I've, I've heard too, way, way too many stories on those similar lines. These teachers, they use the people of God to benefit their own personal gain, and they fit the description of Matthew 7, 15, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Peter is warning us to beware of their conduct because it serves as a guide to us not to get eaten alive. So so while we're around our tables, let's let's do this. Um, I got a question I want to ask everyone and just discuss it around around your tables. Are you right now currently able to identify a false teacher? Are you able to identify a wolf in sheep's clothing? And then if you are, how do you do it? Give you a couple of minutes to discuss that and then we'll come back and revisit. All right, lock it up. All right, so... um, Great conversations. I, I, I had a great conversation. This, this table is so, is so insightful. Uh, I learned so much at this table. Um, but real quick, uh, these are kind of three, um, I don't know, I'm not going to call them Shannon tips, <laughs> but these are just three things I think that can be super helpful for us when it comes to 
um, identifying um, a wolf in sheep's clothing or a false teacher. The, the first thing is this. We need to pray. Before you listen to any sermon, before you watch any sermon on YouTube or listen to any podcast, pray. Pray and ask God for wisdom. And if it's not lining up with his word, turn it off. And, and then tell people not to watch it or listen to it. Don't, don't just not say nothing. <laughs> I mean, that, that would, seriously, that would be just as worse. We're trying to uh, protect each other. So pray and ask God for, for revealing anything that is not of him. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, so when we ask and the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. The second uh, way to help identify um, these false teachers is you just got to know the real from the fake. You got to know God's word. My buddy, I, I got a buddy who um, is an associate pastor in, in Central Phoenix. He uh, was a bank teller uh, before he became a, a, a pastor. And he was telling us this story that uh, they would have uh, for their, um, their orientation, they would have them in this like room with the hundreds, twenties, the fifties, the tens, the fives, the one, had all this money. And for uh, like weeks at a time straight, they would just fill this money. They would Hold it up. They, the, the instructors would show them where the watermarks were, where everything was for them to be able to identify all of the real money. They uh, had the markers and everything. They, they, they've spent so much time around the real that as soon as they identified the fake, they knew it. You have to be so just entangled in this that you know the fake as soon as you spot it. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. He will expose the motives of people's hearts. The last point or last way to help us identify with these false teachers, I say, would be to get around seasoned believers. And when I say seasoned, that's a kind way of saying older. Um, but, but folks who are a little bit more mature, who, who've been around a little bit longer. Um, and who, who are able to, to help you in these matters. And, and, and get around them that you know and that you trust. We, we don't know everybody on podcasts. You can't, you can't call everybody on YouTube and the YouTube channels and ask them for advice. But you can ask someone who's local, who's in the body. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, that where there's no guidance... A people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. So use caution, slow down, pay attention. Slow down and pay attention to who you choose to listen to and get guidance from. So these are just a few practical ways to help us identify the real from the fake. And of course... Um, heeding to the warnings that Peter's addressing in his particular lesson, in his uh, section of, of, the, of, the, of the text. And now we're going to get to the, the final uh, warning for us to beware. Judgment is coming. Second Peter 2, 
3 and 4, or excuse me, 3B through 9. We're just going to read it real, real quick together. It says this, their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, now hell in this particular context is a holding place, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. And if he did not spare the ancient world, when he brought the flood onto its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them as an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who is distressed by the deprived conduct of lawlessness. For the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment. A lot of us in here probably get this side of God confused. Um, we, we, don't, we don't like to think of him like that. We want to think of him in this cute, this loving and gentle manner. We don't want to look at the other side, the, 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 this other dimension of God that um, Zephaniah calls him a mighty warrior. The author of Hebrews calls him a consuming fire. In, in the book of Revelations, James, or excuse me, John, John describes Jesus as returning with a sword in his mouth and his robe dipped in blood. Don't none of us want them problems. For all you Chronicle of Narnia fans out there, C.S. Lewis describes him as Aslan on the move. Now, in those Chronicle Narnia movies, Aslan is this ginormous lion, right? And Aslan, he's bringing hope and peace to all of those who are in his kingdom, and he's bringing destruction on those who are opposing him. One of my favorite Christian rappers, Andy Minio, he has this line in one of his songs, my God is good, but he's not safe. God is not some cute accessory that we can add on to our lives to make our lives look better. He's holy and he is just. He's patient, but he is wrathful. He's powerful and he's good. And everything he does is perfect. He's coming with judgment on those who deny the authority of Christ, who use the gospel for selfish gain, and follow after the lusts of their flesh. And then Peter gives us three Old Testament examples of God's judgment. In verse 4, he's talking about the angels, when Satan in his craftiness was able to essentially take a third of heaven away from heaven. These angels, these fallen angels. In verse 5, he talks about um, the flood, that ancient flood that happened over the entire world. And he only saved Noah and his companions. 
And then Sodom and Gomorrah, my goodness, I mean, don't get no simpler than that or no, no clearer than that. He detests ungodliness, burnt the entire city to ashes. But here's the good news for us tonight. The good news for those who put their trust in Christ Jesus, we find refuge, we find peace. Because Peter also points to the faithfulness of God to those who would trust him. In verse 5, it says this, that he protected Noah when the flood happened. In verse 7, it says this, that he rescued Lot who was in that city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then, and then Peter concludes his whole description of God's faithfulness in, in verse 9 when he says this, that, and if this is so, that if he protected Noah, if you protected Lot, these, these righteous men, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials and to hold the unrighteous in judgment. Peter's not just trying to make a point here. He's trying to make a difference. These warnings are for our protection these warnings are to guide us and to help us grow closer to the Lord. So why would a message like this matter? What, what, what would be the point to a message like this? Well, here's, here's a question for you. Um, most of you are probably not parents, but most of you do have family members, and everybody in here has friends. <laughs> What kind of person would you be to not warn your loved one of danger? What kind of people would we be if we didn't warn our loved ones of the danger that's ahead? Psalm 139 says this, that, that you are fully known and deeply loved. So the takeaway from this message is that God's love for you, his, his incredible his undeniable, unchanging love towards us is so rich, so deep, that he will place a warning sign in the middle of Peter's address to his readers in efforts to move us closer to him and not to anything else. So for the believer in the room, for those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus, well, it's not enough for you just to say, man, I love Jesus and I'm good. I'll go to church and I'll just listen to the pastors preach and then I'll just go and, and be good after that. That's, that's not enough. I love the pastors here at this church. I can say this with, with, a, with a bold and, and this a bold statement that I believe these are some of the greatest pastors that I've ever been around. But you still don't take their word for it. This is the word that matters. This, this is the only thing that matters. So don't just take my word. Go and learn it for yourself. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, this is study to show yourself approved by God and to handle the, the word of God, to handle it correctly. We can't be just Christians that's 
easily entertained by whoever gets up and flashy and can, can carry a sentence and hold our attention for longer than 10 minutes. That's not enough, Christian. But for the unbeliever in the room, if you would, were to say that you, you, you don't know where you're at in this deal, you don't, you don't know where you fit in the whole faith conversation, well, I need to share this first thing is that the truth that I've been talking about this entire time that these false teachers are trying to stray many away from is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we believe as Christians that he was God's only begotten son. That some 2,000 years ago, he came as an infant, lived 33 years, sinless, and he died a death that we should have died, paid a price that none of us can never repay in order for us to have right relationship with God. And we believe that he's on the right hand of God as we speak, interceding on your behalf, awaiting his time to come back as John described with a sword in his mouth and his robe dipped in blood. So my charge or my plea to you is this. Take time to find out why that is so important. He may be pulling on your heart right now. There's another passage in the Gospels that says, and it's God who draws, or Jesus. Jesus is drawing us to the Father. We don't, we don't come to salvation on this whim. Oh, I think I'd like to get saved today. It's God who draws us to himself. And if you want to know more about that, uh, the leaders of 710, we will be here answer any questions that you have. For everyone else in here, let's, let's pray and thank God for the warning signs. Amen? Father, thank you so much for your love and compassion towards us. Thank you for just the ways that you have really been good to us. I pray for um, everyone here tonight, God, that you would, by your infinite grace and mercy, God, would you meet them where they're at? Would you challenge them? Would you um, encourage them? Would you bring conviction? Then most importantly, for those who don't know you, would you save them? Would you open their hearts, cause their, their dead hearts to come alive? Would you cause their eyes to be open? And would you allow for the Spirit of the Lord to reside in them? We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Won't you wait?